You're listening to Season 1, Episode number 48, Let the Off-Season Begin. This is the Fly the W Podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes. As always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, download, and review our podcast episode. And to follow on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook. And Crowley's got a great interview with Stu McVicker, owner and founder of Club 400, whose motto is Cubs fans helping Cub fans, and his journey to raise $1 million for charity out of the world's greatest Cubs cave. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am honored to have on Stuart McVicker, founder and proprietor of the world's greatest Cubs man cave. Stuart, how are you doing today? I'm happy to be on Fly the W podcast with you, Crowley. Thanks for bringing me on. I appreciate it. Uh, you, you know, I've been, I've been dying to have you on, and I figured it would be a good time to have you on because Club 400 is jumping, and, and it literally takes up so much of my social calendar, and I love it, and I wanted to share it out with our listeners right here. So for people who don't know you, Stuart, how did you get into this love of the Cubs that you have, this passion? Well, i tell you what. I, when I was growing up, my parents weren't sport fans, in the sports at all. They weren't in any type of sports, none whatsoever. So one time I was actually turning on uh, WGN to what I thought was going to be a Superman show, and it was uh, the Cubs game. So Cubs were playing that day, and uh, I turned it on right at the nick of time because right when I turned it on, there was a line drive down the line, and Harry Carey just went crazy. He went nuts. Line drive down the line. One run is in. Two runs are in. Here's another man coming around third base trying to score. Here's the throw. He is set. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this old guy getting all excited about? Now, back then, I didn't even know anything about baseball or how the game worked. But just the fact that, like I always say, his energy and enthusiasm for the game radiated out of out of my TV, right in my soul, and I was hooked. The next thing you know, I said, Ma, I want to I play baseball. So she signed me up for the Little League team. Uh I'm sure my coaches hated it because, like, I was the kid who never put a glove on or even swung a bat. And then I started playing the game. And from that point on, it was just my mom. My dad was always working. He's always a hardworking guy. They started their own business right around 1983 before the Cubs hit big. So he was, like, he was working all the time. But my mom, she's the one who took us on the road uh, to see Cubs. I remember our trip, we went to Pittsburgh, and we sat in the lobby. I was, like, maybe a – nine, 10, 11 year old kid. And Samuel Sosa is walking by Ron Sam. I think, I think, I think he was working with the Cubs at some point back then too. And all these guys were just walking by and I was just, I was hooked, man. I really was. And uh, then we, we, we stumbled into a, like an organization that I thought maybe one day I would take over called the wild bunch. Wild punch uh, is a group of people um, who actually met, met at a bar in Wrigleyville, uh, old Wrigleyville tap, which is now full shilling. And, uh, yeah, a group formed out of there and they, they worked up, they did a lot of stuff out of Bernie's called the wild bunch. And, um, I was part of the wild bunch for a while and we used to go on road trips with them out of state, Cincinnati, a lot of Cincinnati trips some St. Louis trips, so forth and so on. And got to meet like some really good people. Uh, my mom says she thinks that's the reason why I drink as, you know, drink beer as much as I do because I hung out with the wild bunch. Right, right between the ages of like 16 and 22. So you're, <laughs> your formative partied. years, your formative, yeah, my years. formative years. And these people partied when they went on a road trip, they partied. And, uh, we had a great time with those people. went through a couple of different prop, uh, uh, presidents and so forth and so on. And then 
I met my wife um, at Full Shilling, believe it or not. And uh, I proposed to her on um, overlooking Riga Field. At that time, the Tribune owned the Cubs, and they didn't allow people to go on the field like they do now. So I had to do it on a rooftop. So I proposed on a rooftop. We had uh, our engagement party and a skybox, and we had a Cubs-themed wedding. And, yeah, before I told my wife that uh, – before, you know, she agreed to marry me, whatever, I told her I was going to build the ultimate Cubs man cave. So this is, like, something that was – always thought about like i was going to do it because i'd collected so much stuff and i wanted to display it and i really did want to do something special like the project took uh, i actually me and lisa got married in 2008 and then i bought the house in 2008 and i started on the project in 2019 oh no 2000 i started in 2008 and finished it right around 2013 so, yeah, and so it was a four-year-long project. Imagine telling all your friends, like, you're working on this project in your basement. You wouldn't let anybody see it. So at that point, it was being built basically just because whenever I go to Wrigley Field, whenever I walk through the turnstiles, uh, you know, it was like one of those things where for three to four hours, my life stopped. And it was four hours, of three to four hours, nothing but a good time. Cubs baseball, beautiful Wrigley Field, hopefully a few friends with me, a couple hot dogs and a pretzel. I mean, that was my happy place, you know. And then, uh, so yeah, on uh, my 40th birthday in 2013, we opened up Club 400 to the masses to like maybe 60, 70 friends. And yeah, they were shocked when they saw it. They couldn't believe it. And you know what? I got a kick out of seeing their faces because I had been so close to the project working on it for four years, you know, the special, the specialty part was worn off for me because I looked at it every single day for a long time, but I did know it was going to be something awesome. I did know that it was like something I, you know, we put a lot of work in it, a lot of thoughts, and that's why it looks the way it does. We had professional lighting guys, uh, design the lighting, everything looks like it's supposed to be in its place that it was. And if, if you go back to the drawing which i actually had uh, my wife's brother brian who's an architect he designed the, the look of the basement and the look pretty much resembles what we have down here today now let me ask you do you remember your first piece of memorabilia or something that you just kind of thought like oh this is cool i want to have that is there anything that sticks out in your mind that you or maybe even a player the first time you met that player and then you get that rush a little bit and, and you get that maybe that autograph do you remember anything that sticks out like that i'll tell you what my first baseball game ever went to was Comiskey Park, the old Comiskey Park. My dad took me there with one of his friends and Phil and my mom. And it was baseball pat that day. So everybody got a real Louisville Sluggers. Now imagine it happening today. That probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> but uh so everybody that walked in got a Louisville Slugger bat and that was like my first first game ever, which I don't know. See that's how much my dad do. He didn't he obviously didn't know that much. He took me to a Sox game for his first but uh <laughs> but I do like you know like you know you have those stories Crowley. And you hear a lot of those, these people that have these stories is when they walk up those stairs for the first time and you see Wrigley Field and you see it. It's a beautiful, it's a 120 game. And the sun's out and the clouds are looking beautiful up there. And it's something that, you know, you don't, it changed my life walking up those stairs. I've heard that from a lot of Cub fans about how walking up those stairs and seeing that field changed their life. And I, and I, I can't necessarily remember it, but I do remember it. Because I remember how beautiful it looked and how I wanted to be there a whole lot more and watch Cubs baseball, you know. So, But, yeah, my first Cubs piece of memorabilia, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, my dad bought me a Cubs hat. I remember that. And, uh, and I, I wore that thing religiously. Like, you know, you'll find a lot of pictures of me when I was younger wearing this Cubs hat. I probably got three years, maybe four years out of it. <laughs> 
Nice. And so, you know, you're sitting there and one day you're hanging out with some friends and you got a buddy who's in need and he's talking to you and you one day just decide to put two and two together, right? Yeah. What happened was, was like when people came down here, like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do with this place? I'm like, no, it's for us, man. We're going to hang out and watch games. We're going to have fun down here. This is from, you know, at that point in time, I was also thinking like, you know, it's not good to drink and drive. I might as well make my own bar in my own house and we'll just have a blast down here. Like I want to, I basically wanted to build the best sports bar around, have a reason not to go anywhere, but come to my house. Uh, but yeah, uh, that year, uh, Nick Sheridan came uh, by. He's a good friend of mine. And you, if you've been to any club for parties, you've probably met him. And uh, so, yeah, he came by and um, he suffered from bacterial meningitis when he was 20 years old. And he lost both of his legs and an arm. And he came over here to watch a Blackhawk hockey, actually. And the Blackhawks got eliminated in the playoffs there. And then, um, yeah, he, he was bitching about his prosthetics. And I basically woke up the next day. And I was like, wait a minute here. We got my buddy who needs new, uh, new prosthetics. And let's back up for it. And since I went to the Cubs convention earlier that year, and I put like 20 Polaroid pictures of the basement at the Cubs convention on a Saturday morning, meet the Ricketts. And I put him on his desk, and when he walked away, he put him in his pocket. And I was like, man, I just hooked him. Like, I, I just caught the big fish. He's going to see it now. He's going to get it. And sure enough, on the Sunday of the Cubs convention, he called me over and he told me he wanted to come over. So after Nick came over that night, I knew I, I realized that he had a need and that maybe with the owner of the Cubs coming out to this basement, we could help him fill it. And that's exactly what we did. I called, uh, I emailed Tom. His email's out there quite a bit. Anybody could get a hold of him. He's awesome. And um, he was all in from the moment. From and you know he come out. We had a party. We did not know what we were doing, but we raised like thirty three thousand dollars. Got my buddy two legs and an arm, and said, "Wow, holy cow, that was a lot of fun. Let's do that again next year and help someone else out." So it wasn't like even going into the next Sheridan party, which is our first party we've ever had here for charity. The thought was never to move forward. But after that evening, you know, I, I remember going out to lunch with my mom to Randall Roadhouse, one of our great sponsors. And I said, Mom, we might have something here. Like, maybe we should do this, find someone else that needs some help next year, throw another party, try to get a player out. And, and you know, back in the day, me and my brother, Eric, we came out with the We Got Wood t-shirts, which that's a whole other story we need to cover on a podcast. Of course, we have our own Club Warren podcast. I want to do that one day. But we are no strangers from the Wrigley Field community at all. We came out with the We Got Wood shirts in uh, 1998. We did like three or four shirts that year. And that's a long story, but it put us in jail for a while. <laughs> like, we got out right away, whatever. But, uh, yeah, we basically, all the money that we made in T-shirts, you know, we had to use for lawyers and stuff. And you know what? I met a person a long time ago who said, you know, whatever you love the most, don't turn it into a business. Just keep it as like what you love the most. So I, I vowed never, ever to do anything Cubs related. Well, this just seemed to be a perfect match for me and how I am as a person, because even before like club Warner, everybody knows me from club Warner, but anybody of my past friends or uh, I grew up in McHenry, Illinois, I was that guy that, you know, threw the charity event for somebody who maybe passed away or maybe someone got sick or whatever. I was like, uh, I, I threw a lot of fundraisers before that, you know, but at bars and restaurants and so forth and so on. So I, you know, like I said, I think all good things evolved, and Club Hornet evolved in what it is today, which is it's an unbelievable play. I mean, Crowley, obviously you've been here a lot of times, and I always look at Club Hornet as a win-win situation for everybody. 
if you buy a ticket, you're going to have a great time, and the money's going to go in the right place, and you're going to help somebody uh, in need. So that's a great part of it. Well, that's, that's what I tell people is that when I first started going to Club 400, all I cared about was looking at the memorabilia and, uh, uh, you know, meeting the players. And then now, you know, after all these years, I don't even care who's showing up. I just want to come and see my friends and help out good causes because I've seen – the beneficiaries of so much of your charitable work. And it, 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 the moment they get that big check and, and you, you change, you know, I've seen a little girl get a wheelchair. Uh, I, I've seen, we've, we've helped, you know, I know you've helped people uh, who, who've been suffering from cancer, uh, a police officer's family who died in the line of duty. When you, when you see the emotions on people's faces, when you're doing something for them, it just kind of changes your approach to things. It, it, it makes you one. It makes you count your blessings, and and two, it makes you realize that you know it, you know we have such a beautiful Cubs community uh, that you know it's just so awesome that everybody kind of just becomes a part of it, and they volunteer and they do all sorts of things, and you know that, that you know it's it's just I've seen an evolution of how this has all kind of happened, and. Right now, you guys, just, I mean, it had to have been amazing for you at first to, you know, meet all those players you grew up loving, whether it was Sosa or, I mean, Sandberg and Grace and Lee Smith. But now, you know, it's like it's on to bigger and better things. I see like Club 400 evolving. And uh, one thing that you guys have been doing lately is something for uh, called Heather's Heroes program, correct? Yeah. Heather, yeah. Um, it's honoring Heather program. Um you know, it's, I, I own my own business, heating and air conditioning business called Specialized Testing and Brother with my brother, and that's what pays the bills. But uh, because I had put time into that, I felt like if Club Rome was going to grow, you know, we were going to have to, you know, I would have to bring someone in. So Because there's so many things that, like so many opportunities that I never followed back on because I was too busy in my life with my job and so forth. So, yeah, one day we were down here recording a, a Club Hunter podcast, me and William were, and I was just, my phone started dinging, 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 right and left, and it was a fan that was looking help, looking for help to get her friend to one last Cub game. Her name was Heather, and uh, she was suffering from uh, liver cancer, and uh, I guess she had tried a, a lot of different charities, but uh, Heather, unfortunately, due to her age and stuff like that, she didn't fit any boxes where any charities were willing to help out, and I kind of looked at it. And I was like, man, this is what we are all about getting a Cub fans, Cub fan to our last game, you know, and we didn't have a lot of time to work with because, you know, she, she was already <clears throat> actually on hospice at the time. So we literally went to the first game um, we could, which was a Monday. And I talked to Nicole on a Thursday. So we, uh, by the way, uh, kind of the idea was also uh, borrowed from Steve's dream. Steve's dream is someone that sets up over there um, at Sloan park. Uh, next to our good friend Sloan over there. And they do the same kind of thing, but more they cater to spring training. So it was always on my mind, like maybe we should try to, you know, give the best day to a fan that maybe thinks that they couldn't go or maybe because they're in a wheelchair, they don't think they can get there okay. And being that, you know, all the connections we made, I'm not just with people outside of Wrigley Field, but on the inside uh, with security people like Frank Walker and stuff like that. It made it way more possible and also get on-field access and uh, being that, you know, we, we had these relationships with the players, we can contact them. So, you know, it, you know, pretty much came out like when I thought it should come out because we did that program and then like, you know, been lucky enough to say that we, not I, we have given out a lot of checks at Club 400. Uh, you know, I think our highest check we wrote out was for the, the Rizzo Foundation back in the day. 
but man, you know, we, we put $2,000 in that pro that, that day. And it was so fulfilling and so rewarding to just, you know, give a Cub fan one last day at Wrigley field. I felt like, man, that's something we need to start doing a whole lot more because a lot of people are just afraid because they, you know, they don't know the area. They don't know where to park and we can open up those doors for them and uh, show them for a really great day. So yeah, after we did that event, Nicole, which was her friend reached out to me and, uh, wanted to get involved she's like whatever you know i was trying to find someone to help us i couldn't get anybody to help us you you stepped in what could i do for your charity and you know what she kept on calling me and you know when i saw the same kind of passion in her that i saw in myself and i was like hey do you want like a part-time job and she's like sure so so i brought her on in late august and uh this year we did three honoring heathers we have two videos out for one the other one uh, we're going to talk about at a later date, but it was happened so quickly that one too. We couldn't get everything a camera guy and stuff like that. But it's a, definitely a program that we're going to have going forward. And I think um, our next thing is going to be to bring someone down to the Cubs convention this year who maybe not be able to afford it, or someone maybe down in the dumps uh, that we can lift up a little bit. A Cubs fan, or that would be great. That's what we want to do. We want to we want to be like not just a six month charity, but a twelve month charity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, you, you sit there and, and you give people, it really is the red carpet treatment for a game that people just wouldn't expect. I know Joe from obvious shirts, Joe Johnson's been great on helping out with that. And uh, you guys get limos and they go down, they get field access through the relations you made with players as well. I saw Stroman and wisdom and Schwindel coming up to, you know, yeah. and, and, and the, and when you see the videos, you know, the, the emotions, especially of the people that, you know, especially like the, I remember with Herbie's family and a couple other, uh, the families, like they're just so thankful and it, it, it's so emotional. Um, but you are doing more events to kind of continue to build up that, that honoring Heather foundation and part of yeah. the charitable arm. And uh, you got one coming up pretty soon. Uh, a little bit of a uh, music trivia I hear. Oh man. You know, I'm so excited about it. It's outside of club for hundred, which is great. It's going to be at the, that, that way. I don't have to clean up the next day. Um, <laughs> It's going to be at the Holiday Inn in Crystal Lake. And um, last year in September, what was that, 2021, Ryan Dempster came out for a little boy named Riker who uh, I gave uh, him and his family a private tour to of Club 400 during uh, COVID. And I knew something was wrong with him. And I didn't want to ask because we were having such a good time. But I followed up with Eddie. And then so we threw an event out for his son, Riker. We raised $40,000 that day. And... Um, yeah, he was so appreciative. He threw us an event in his hometown called it was Music Trivia. And I didn't know what it was, but we all drove down there. We had a big crew of Club Warner people go down there, and we just had a blast. And I'm like, man, we need to do this again. Maybe we'll do it up by us. So, yeah, we're having a great event on Saturday, November 19th at the Holiday Inn in Crystal Lake Music Trivia. We are selling tables for 175 That means if you bring seven of your friends, your seat is free. Uh, we just got Joe Kilgallen hooked up to it. Uh, we're going to do karaoke at the end, and uh, we're going to sell pizza slices, hot dogs, popcorn. We're going to have Salsa King of Chicago Salsa there. And all proceeds are going to go to Club 400. Now, here's the thing. like, uh, Whenever we had parties, like, you know, we've, we're up to $730,000. But whenever we had parties, like, we would never take any money from the parties. We, gave, we, we kept just enough in our bank account. So we didn't have to pay the fees, right? right? So, but there's plenty of times when opportunities arose for me to do something for somebody, and we didn't have any money. So you can't be a real charity if you don't have any money, <laughs> and you got to be able to move quickly. So yeah, I mean, and also yeah, I, I hired a Debbie to run our books. She's part time too, but 
yeah, we're, we're you know, we're, we're growing. And, you know, that's the thing. Either grow or die. And I want to grow. And you know what? I want to help as many people as possible. And if you don't grow, then you're, only, you're not going to be able to help out as many people. So Right. And with that, with that, with Heather, with her situation, you basically paid for it out of pocket and everybody chipped in later. And you don't want to do that. Like you said, it's good to have cash reserves in those kind of emergency type situations. Yeah. And like, honestly, like I, I, we're taking <laughs> Heather to the game, right? And I don't like to ask for things. It's one o'clock day of game and we have no game tickets, you know, but I wanted to get Heather. I mean, uh, yeah, Heather was losing her eyesight and we had to get her up real close. So we, I stubbed hugged them at two o'clock. I basically got in my car after I bought them. They luckily they fell right to that place where we were looking for. I mean, it was, I think a gift from above, but, um, but now, yeah, thanks for the cup. The Cubs hooked us up a lot this year. We have a lot of great sponsors. We've been able to take a lot of our people, our guests, over to the 1914 Club, as you know, which is an awesome experience and like a one-of-a-kind experience, which we got to get you out to, Crowley. You haven't been there yet. Not yet, but on the 19th, you guys have music trivia. And then you know my favorite. It is the December. It's going to be Friday, December 2nd, the Club 400 Christmas Party, which is always one of the best uh, events of the year. I love it. It's one of my favorites. You going going to the minor leagues now. We're going to start taking a look at some of these young future prospects, and they're going to be coming out to Club Four Hundred. You got the number one, number two prospect between number one, number two prospect coming out. You know what? It was unbelievable. Like Brendan Davis, I, I I hooked up through him through Twitter. He was the first guy I asked if he'd want to come out. And um, you know, I remember when I had to beg to get players to come here. Like they, you know, hey man, you want to come to my basement? And now you know. Same thing with Christopher Ramnut Morale in September. Like his agent called me up. They, they, he wants to come to Club Four. He wants to be a part of it. So Brennan was all in from the beginning. And as you know, Crowley, this party's going to have a little bit of South Bend tilt to it. So we got a lot of surprises, some that we can't talk about. But I know this it's going to be a great party. Um, we got a, a full band playing that night. And we have a lot of, like, that's always a special night. And it's going to be a great one this year. Like they always are. I don't know why. But you're right. The Christmas party, I don't know if it's that time in the year, but it's always a special party. It's always good to get around the Club 400 family. So we'll be selling those tickets very soon on www.club400cubs.com. But you can follow us on all social media where the link will be posted. And I actually was supposed to write out the details today. And then one of my guys' truck broke down on 294, which threw me off for the most part. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm gonna, we're, gonna, we're expecting to sell tickets this Friday. To our Christmas uh, event on December second. That is a Friday night, and we're going to go from like six to eleven o'clock. And you got a band, and 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 I know that I talked to uh, Max and BK, the announcers for South Bend. They're showing up. Chris Hagstrom, GM for the South Bend Cubs of promotions, is coming down there, and so it it is going to have a South Bend tilt, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And those guys treated us so well when we went out to South Bend. I, I like that we were able to kind of do something a little bit in return. Then right. we got CubsCon coming up. You talked about, you know, bringing people out there. And then after that, you have uh, some more exciting news for January. Yeah, I asked you before we got in this interview if I could talk to you about it real quick. But um, back in, what, I think it was 2018, I went to Cubs Fantasy Camp, Randy Hunley Fantasy Camp. It was a lifelong dream of mine, something I always wanted to do. Me and my brother went and... I wish I could say I had an unbelievable time, um, but I went there and I was severely out of shape and I could barely walk by Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, but it was awesome. I mean, it was a dream come true. Um, and you know what? 
mean, all these guys are diehard Cub fans. I'm like, these guys would fit great in the Club 400. And then I did not go to the camp the next year because I wasn't in shape enough. And then I got an email saying the last Cup, fantasy Cub camp would be coming up in 2020. We went down there and we had another remarkable great time. And then COVID hit. And uh, Randy hasn't done his camp since. Um, and let me tell you something. Randy Hunley is the innovator, the founder of all fancy camps. And, you know, what I've told, told him through the grapevine is we're just filling the void until you want to come back. If you want to come back next year, that's all good. But, yeah, we're actually going to Las Vegas on, uh, was it January 19th through the 25th? And we got, right now, we got three teams going down there. And we're playing six games of baseball. We're going to go golfing on Saturday. we got a great resort we're staying at. And we're looking for a few more players. That's why I wanted to tell everybody about it. But we just got our coaches announced. So we're going to have a couple of uh, Hall of Famers. Fergie Jenkins is going to be part of camp. Lee Smith is going to be part of camp. One of my favorite guys, Ray, uh, Ray Burris, who is also an ambassador of the club, will be there. And he, everybody knows that Ray knows that he's an outstanding guy. Bob Dernier will be there. Uh, if you remember the old uh, GM, Ed Lynch, he'll be there. And uh, our good friend John Maley with us, uh, so our our players can get uh, batting tips from him, you know. So it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great event. Like I said, we're we're filling the void, and you know what? Uh, uh, no one's making any money here. Uh, we're looking to do like maybe ten, fifteen thousand dollars for Club Four Hundred, and uh, so it's Cub fans helping Cub fans. But now we're actually playing. We're trying to play the game of baseball. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be a great event, and, and all those guys are guys that are Club Four Hundred alum that you mentioned, Ray. Yeah. Lee, Fergie, they've all been there. They all know what it's about. And so I think it's going to be a special event. And so, um, Stuart, tell everybody where they can find you on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, anything, and, and the Club 400 podcast, don't forget. But where would yeah. people find out more information about all these events coming up? I mean, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. Those are our three primarily hitters. Uh, we also have a website, which is uh, going to be uh, – it's actually been working out for the last year. So if any event that you came to, we're gonna, you're going to download your pictures for free. I know those are kind of hard to find now. They're all going to be on the new website. Um, it's just going to be better laid out like everything else. When we created that website, it was 2014 or 15. So this is we're doing a new look to it. and uh, But our website is always going to tell you what's going on and what we're doing. But, yeah, social media, Twitter, Facebook, and just go Club 400 Cubs and you'll find us. I promise you that. And You know, we're looking to find new people to get involved with Club 400 because, like I said, you know, we're looking to grow and become a better organization and an organization that makes more impact 12 months out of the year. And, again, you want to jump on it because that party, once you hit a million dollars, you're at 700000 you're not going to want to miss that party. And that's going to be for, for the people that have been living, breathing, and dying Club 400. So get on oh. the bus now, man, because you don't want to miss that one. No, the $1 million party is something that, you know, so, yeah, the goal of Club 400 was always to raise $1 million. And how did I come up with that? I sat down here after we did a, a couple first couple charity events. I was like, all right, what do we really want to do with this place? And I, if I was smart, I would have said, well, let's raise $400,000. <laughs> but, you know, that seemed to be too easy after what we did for Nick. So I said, let's raise $1 million out of a basement and let's just, you know, do it. And uh, so it's been a lot. I'll tell you what, it's been a long road, but it's been an awesome road. I wouldn't change a thing. And uh, we've had so many good times and we've met so many good people. My social network has opened up like you wouldn't believe. And I'm a people person anyway, so I just love meeting new people. And I love meeting them here at Club 400 where they're going to get probably one of the best fan experiences around. Like that's the thing that's underrated and not talked about Club 400. 
yeah, we do great charity work, but if you're a fan and you've never been to a Club 400 event with a player here, then you're missing out because you're basically, he's coming to my house. He's hanging with you in my personal bar. And that's a great thing. A lot of these players become friends of ours moving forward. And if they, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them get what's going on here. And then some of them, you know, some of the guys around the current roster are so busy just trying to make it and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, man, it's been, it's been unbelievable. And like I said, the only good things ahead, and I'm starting to think about that million dollar party because that's not a party. That's, that's going to be the biggest party we ever throw. And we're going to bring out some major acts for that. And I want to give back to my neighborhood for putting up with me, to be honest with you, Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stuart, it, it was a pleasure having you on. And this is not going to be the last time by far that you're on the podcast. So you know that. But um, we will put links to uh, all the different socials uh, for Club 400. And in case any of the listeners want to find out, we'll put that on the Fly the W and Crawley's Clubhouse uh, Facebook and Twitter pages. And like I said, you know, I, 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 I 100% believe in the mission of Club 400. Stuart, I thank you for everything you've done for all the Cub fans. And like I said, you, you've created a family. And then, you know, that sometimes that's hard to come by. So thank you again, Stuart, for coming thank out. You. Stuart McVicker and... Tons of events, guys. Get on the bus. Like we said, the Cubs season don't stop. Which hopefully it'll stop in November, but <laughs> this year it stopped in September. Carly, Carly was over. We had a private party for Ray Burris here, and uh, we don't stop here at Club 400. So come on out and see us. We'd love to have you. And thanks, Carly, for having me on. Anytime, buddy. You take care. Take care.